Hello and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and as always a little bit of entertainment. The end of August is fast approaching. Anyone else feel like the summer has passed in the blink of an eye? Seriously, it has just flown by. I'm sure lots of you here in Ireland have that Glenrow feeling this week as you get ready for the kids to go back to school. You're probably going to hate me for even mentioning it. Well, I'm making the most of the last weekend of this month by heading to Kerry to tackle the Ring of Kerry with some of the Galway Tri Club crew. The last time I was on the roads in Kerry was during the race around Ireland in 2017. I'm sure the hills haven't gotten any easier. I hope my legs hold up for the 180k cycle on Saturday. But as Rachel Nolan says, it's just a moving bike buffet. In the meantime, I'm trying to cram in the kilometres for the Galway Bay Swim for Cancer Care West, which finishes on the 31st of August. There's lots of double dips this week to make up the distance of 13k in skins for the month. My initial plan of trying to swim 30 to 40k for the challenge went out the window with the bad weather and jellyfish. Yes, I am a total wimp, but at least I'll get the 13k done and a bit extra by next week. Now, with the Paralympics kicking off this week, I'm looking forward to being glued to the action as it unfolds in Tokyo. There'll be lots of late nights, early mornings and plenty of screaming at the TV over the next couple of weeks. As we heard during the week, the Ironman World Championships due to be held in Kona this October have been rescheduled to the 5th of February 2022 and the 70.3 Worlds in St. George this year have also been altered to a one-day event. Next year's 70.3 World Championships due to take place in New Zealand has also been moved to St. George. Lots of changes due to the ever-evolving COVID situation globally. I have to say I'm looking forward to being at a few races closer to home over the coming weeks. Triathai, La Coutre, Ironman 70.3 Weymouth and the one-off Ironman 70.3 Bolton are all in the diary for September and I hope to see lots of familiar faces at these races. Did you know it's my 10-year announcing anniversary next month? Yep, 10 years. Hard to believe it really. It all started at Ironman 70.3 Galway in 2011 on a wet, wild and wonderful day in the west of Ireland. Keep an eye on our social pages and our snazzy new website for some anniversary giveaways. Now to this week's episode with British professional triathlete Fenella Language. Fenella took to professional racing like a duck to water in 2018, exploding onto the scene with five podium finishes in seven races, including her first professional title at Ironman 70.3 Edinburgh. Fenella says she is just a big kid at heart and loves what she does. With the biggest smile on her face, she finished the Challenge Daytona race in 7th position last year before going on to claim a silver medal at Ironman Coeur d'Alene in June of this year and stamp her ticket for Kona finishing in 8 hours, 59 minutes and 49 seconds. A sub-9 debut Ironman. She has had her fair share of injuries over the past number of years, but through her infectious positivity, commitment to her craft and her patience, she has bounced back to deliver some performances she can be very proud of, including her win at Ironman 70.3 Barcelona in 2019, just one week after her bike crash in France, which resulted in a DNF and several stitches. With an abundance of drive and determination, coupled with natural talent and a thirst for success, the quietly spoken athlete lets her ability and performance do the talking. Still in her 20s on the cusp of a new decade, Fenella has lots more fun to have in the sport of triathlon and there are plenty of podiums and medals in her future. Enjoy the show. 
Vanella, thank you so much for joining me on the show. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. And thanks for having me. I look back at some of the, the guests and I listened through some of them and to come after them, it's quite, quite uh, humbling and, and it's nice to be on here. Brilliant. Well, I'm delighted to have you on the show. And as we just mentioned before we started recording, I was talking about your phenomenal race in Coeur d'Alene, which we will come back to. But, <laughs> you know, I can't start the interview without saying congratulations. An Ironman, a full distance Ironman debut, eight hours, 59, 49, second in Coeur d'Alene, stamping a ticket to Kona. I mean, it's what dreams are made of. Yeah, it's it's quite surreal saying it like that. Um, I never thought. Uh, well at the beginning of the year I didn't even think I'd be doing an Ironman it was all a little bit last minute and I can now officially say I am an Ironman so it's pretty cool <laughs> actually I should have said Fenella yeah. language you are an Ironman yeah oh that sounds even better coming <laughs> from your Irish accent <laughs> now you probably had Mike Riley call you an Ironman on the day did you I did yeah, yeah well you know yeah. he trumps he's, a, he's all right I'll let him. <laughs> <laughs> not quite the same as you, as you but <laughs> he, doesn't, he, doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have quite a strong Irish accent but we'll give it to him we'll allow him yeah we'll allow him. he is Mr Iron Man he, he certainly but... <laughs> is the voice of Iron Man um before we start talking about Coeur d'Alene and and the plans for Kona and all of that um first of all you have some teddy bears and a Yoda in the room with you on your bed <laughs> so I'd like to talk about those first before we talk about your background in sport uh, so tell me why have you so many teddies in your room and what's the story behind them because I'm just a big kid at heart <laughs> no don't worry. I've just got monkeys so uh it's just a thing with Bill and I it's probably a little bit stupid but we just buy each other uh monkeys so this is the first one its name's apple and then we've got orange oh we did have another orange but I lost it so we just had to rename it and this is baby Yoda that I got from uh, my friend Lisa Roberts in America who now she now runs ultra running and she has one of these stuffed in her stuffed in her backpack and it's given her good luck so she gave it to me when I stayed with her uh and it obviously did do me quite good luck because I took it to Coeur d'Alene with me um yeah but they're all named after fruits and it's just something silly that Bill and I we do so <laughs> I love it so there's never any stress for anniversary presents or birthday presents it's always a monkey no something to do with a, a monkey or something like that yeah <laughs> okay uh, where did the obsession with monkeys come from uh I'm not sure I think he just started calling me monkey or something like that and then it just you know things one thing led to another and it spirals and then it ends up on cards or yeah in in birthday presents or in anniversary gifts or something it's just like your that. thing yeah it's very cute <laughs> well sometimes not all the time <laughs> <laughs> so Fenella um you stormed onto the professional racing circuit in 2018 with a storming display of uh courage and commitment and sportsmanship and performance with a series amount of podiums in 2018 yeah before we talk about 2018 where did the background in sport come from or what were you like as a kid were you sporty did you play sport were you a swimmer cyclist runner all of the above none of the above what you do? <laughs> all of the above uh I'm the youngest in my family so I think I've always just been keep trying to keep up with my two older brothers uh and just following them, whatever they did. So I played hockey when I was younger and I swam. Mum ran, so I ran with her. And then I was always just doing those for just enjoyment. My mum my coached and my dad coached hockey. So I'd go along and just join in with them 
with them and, and my brothers uh yeah so it was it, I was always good when growing up and competitive I played like maybe county level or I never went to like nationals or anything like that so that's all through school and then secondary school got into gymnastics still carried on everything so I'd like swim before school after school club go to hockey practice then go to running so I was it was just always full on and it's a long day and I I was the one that was waking up my mum being like mum can we go swimming please and she'd be like yeah that's fine she'd never say no but it was I was the driving force behind it as I wanted to do it and I'm not sure why now looking back at it <laughs> but for some reason I did and so I, I guess I did a little bit of everything and then university I focused a bit on hockey in my first year which was great I got the whole university experience uh the socializing the drinking the the late nights but then I just found that I, I needed to do something for me a little bit more rather than everyone else um and I love the fitness side of it we're always in the gym and I took that weight probably more seriously than um the other or playing part of it and so yeah I started running and then obviously I'd done a little bit of swimming previously as a kid and I saw the triathletes rocking around I thought well I can run I I used to swim I just need to learn how to ride my bike so my last year at uni was probably my first official start of triathlon and yeah just spiraled from there really. So what year was that? Uh, 2013. So what happened then between 2013 and 2018? Were you on the age group circuit for a while or? I guess being based with the university, I went to like one of my first races with Bucks. And then, yeah, during that, I think the first year I did uh, Bucks and then I did like local races. So yeah, age group races. So triathlons up and down the country. I was based in in Wales, so around Cardiff, uh, Porthcawl, Lynnetley and stuff like that. And I think, I think it was the end of my first end of that series I was eligible or I got into like a British super series race so that was elite drafting in the Bricker circuit so I did I think I did London that year and then that went on to doing the whole of the series the year after so that would have been Liverpool, London, Blenheim, maybe one more uh and I think at the end of that year I ended up doing my first European Cup which is like a similar type of racing to what you see the WTS but a European level and so I did that in my second year and again I I carried on doing age group races so like local triathlons up and down the country which was so much fun (laughs) uh and then yeah uh, I think in my third year I did maybe four or five European Cups which were great and then I got enough points to qualify for world cups and at that point I'd finished university but I was working part-time was like 20 hours a week and I was training 30 hours a week I was cycling everywhere I was commuting uh, on my bike around Cardiff getting to maybe at one point I think I had three different jobs just trying to like personal training working for Kidney Wales Foundation and also another job somewhere else and I think in the bike shop or something like that just trying to earn my pocket money pay for these races and also train at this I'd say pretty high level yeah so I did I did that and a point came where 
we were living in Cardiff. I was doing all this commuting and working and training. And I wanted to go full time. And Bill wanted to go full time in his in coaching. So we just bit the bullet and said, well, we can't afford to live in Cardiff without working. So we moved back to Salisbury. We live with, well, I live with my mum still. <laughs> and it was probably one of the hardest decisions we made because uh, it's always seems like a backwards move moving back in with your parents but when we sit here now and I look back it's probably the best thing that ever we ever could have done because I because then like you say in 2018 I had uh five podiums in six or seven races that I did in my first year in professional racing so. Yeah, so I, I have the results here in front of me because I was, as I was saying earlier, we met for the first time in Staffordshire where yeah. you came third. But prior to that, you had come third in Pida Axe. You'd come second in Barcelona, the 70.3. Then you came to Staffordshire that June. Then you won Ironman 70.3 Edinburgh. You raced at the Ironman 70.3 World Championships. Then you went on to come third at the Ironman 70.3 in Weymouth and you were fifth <laughs> in Challenge Pagira. So you yeah. had like... A mad schedule from May to October with five podiums. Yeah, I think that first year was I just wanted to race and enjoy and learn. That's all I wanted to do that first year, race and learn what it's like to race over the 70.3 distance for one and and in the professional ranks and learning. This was, That was my first year fully committing to triathlon and and yeah, not having to stand on my feet for 20 hours a day doing other types of work or even longer if you counter in the commuting that I ended up having to do. So, so. how did your training change then? Because you were doing 30 hours a week when you were doing all that crazy stuff with work and commuting. Yeah. So did you still train 30 hours a week or did you increase it slightly or did you reduce it slightly to allow for more recovery? Um, 30 would be a, a big week. Uh, so it's only that much maybe when uh at different points during the year it's normally yeah anywhere between 22 to 30 uh so yeah when I went full-time I nothing actually changed I was just able to sit down during sessions <laughs> in between sessions and yeah recover properly that that's probably the only the only difference and, and you raced then very well again in 2019 you had uh three podiums you won Ironman 70.3 Barcelona taking the top step of the podium after coming second the previous year then you went to challenge Gerardsbergen and then you were second as well in the Ironman 70.3 Elsinore and you were fifth in Dubai so you were fairly trucking with the podiums again in 2019 <laughs> and that wasn't a I had lots of setbacks in 2019 in my first I actually raced Paydax again but I fell off my bike during the race and I ended up in a French hospital with stitches in my elbows and it and Ironman 70.3 Barcelona was the week after and we drove from Paydax to Barcelona um because it was all, we'd always planned to do it but at that point it was still up in the air if, even if we would even race because obviously I had stitches in my elbows I'd fallen off my bike the week before in on a quite technical downhill section it, it was completely my fault and Barcelona again is a hilly technical bike course so going to a race just psychologically it wasn't probably wouldn't have been the, the wisest choice to go in and 
go straight back on the horse, so to speak. But I got there. Well, I think I did one test swim just to make sure that I could bend my elbows. And I only had one bike where I tried to put my elbows on the on your skis or yeah, try bars. Um, I was like, okay, I think I can do this. And then yeah, I ended up suppressing all expectations and ended up winning that race so so it was probably more the fact that because I didn't finish the the race the week before I just I just wanted to go in there and demonstrate all the hard work that I'd done previously and just show to myself and and on behalf of Billy and all the people that supported us before that I just wanted to go put on a show kind of thing to show that all the hard work that we'd put in wasn't for nothing. <laughs> so how did you pick yourself up from having come off the bike, get injured, be in hospital, the the kind of the uncertainty about whether you could race or couldn't race in Barcelona to then actually set your mindset and your focus that, hey, OK, we're going to race this and we're going to smash it. Uh I think it almost helped because all expectation and was put out the window. I could just focus on what I needed to do and enjoy it more, maybe. Um, just process goals. And the first few days were a bit turbulent in terms of like emotion and, and how this was going to go and and all that sort of stuff. But everything was already set in place. The hotel was paid for the my name was on the start line. I didn't have to worry about anything like that. I just had to make sure that I did what I needed to do. There was no other, yeah, no other caveats, no other things to think about. And did you have fun? You know, did you did you stand on the start line and think, you know, it's great to be here. I'm going to have fun today because there's less pressure on me. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think it's probably one of my, my favourite races because of that. Um and the people in Barcelona is such a, it's like a party, like the the atmosphere at the race is really good. Logistically, it's it's really easy and fun. Um, yeah, and I think I just really wanted to put down a performance I was pr- proud of because the week before I couldn't do that. And that, what no one was going to stop me. And I just wanted to, yeah, go out there and really enjoy racing and I want to enjoy that finish line which I think in other races again I just you don't get that anywhere else that red that red carpet moment I just it's like nothing else when you finally cross that finish line and when you're winning or sometimes we've overcome so many barriers just to get there so to get to that moment is just it is amazing speaking of performances we move swiftly on to 2020 to challenge (laughs) Daytona where you did absolutely amazing to finish in seventh position so talk to me about that event because the eyes of the triathlon world were on challenge Daytona for the men's race and for the women's race because literally it was one of the only big races that went ahead in 2020. It was a really odd but amazing race um again I think it's similar to maybe Barcelona you didn't have much expectation or you didn't know where you were going into it so you couldn't you couldn't make too many race plans in terms of it's going to go like this then it's going to go like this you kind of had to go with the flow and just go with the race dynamics and make the decisions in the race and hope that they're the right ones again I didn't go into it with the best preparation in terms of running so maybe that 
was a good thing in terms of took a little bit of stress or expectation off my shoulders just going in there knowing that I just have to swim and bike and then whatever happens on the run happens on the run and yeah again I I got to that carpet and I just was it was just a celebration of what had happened the year we had to get there and it just all came out and I was so happy to come seventh it was brilliant. I mean, we were all watching the uh, watching the coverage unfold. And, you know, as I was saying to you earlier as well, when we were watching Coeur d'Alene, the, just screaming at the screen to, <laughs> to tell you to just keep moving forward. What was it like, Fenella? Um, I know you raced the 70.3 Worlds in 2018, but you're stepping up to quite a different mix of athletes in 2020 at Challenge Daytona. So you had the mix of the long course, the short course, and this was like a, a hybrid middle distance event. But stepping up with athletes that were unknown to you that you hadn't raced before, you probably knew them but had never raced them. What was it like with that different mix of, of athletes to be coming up against? I think like maybe three or four weeks prior, to the race it is quite intimidating because these are huge names of the sport that have been around for years um that have shown their pedigree throughout triathlon so yeah they I think a couple, maybe three four weeks prior to that I was quite nervous and anxious of all the people and intimidated but you have to believe in yourself and to know that anything can happen on the day you shouldn't and like Lucy Gossage said this to me, but you shouldn't put anyone on a pedestal. No one's necessarily better than you. Um, and yeah, stranger things have happened. So you can't write yourself out of a race just because they've got they've done A, B, and C in the past. Obviously, it's you can't neglect it, but times are moving on in the sport and times are getting better and people are getting faster, technology is getting better. And I'm quite new to it and no offence to some of the girls they're getting they're on their their later legs of triathlon um I'm still in my 20s just um and they're in their late 30s so and in a short fast type of racing that Daytona was it could only suit the younger athletes and I think we saw that when looking at the results afterwards of your challenge Daytona performance what are you most proud of um uh I I think just getting there in the right headspace and enjoying and embracing the experience and not being overwhelmed by the event itself because I think it well yeah it can be quite daunting when you're stood next to world champions and um your idols of the sport basically so yeah I think the more the, the seventh yeah it's great but I think I could have done better. Um, so it's probably more the approach and the how I got myself there. It, when we look at the race, the Coeur d'Alene race, talk yeah. me through that for the listeners who maybe didn't get to watch it on, on, on Facebook Live. Talk me through that race and going into it and how you were feeling 27th of June. You know, it was the time to, to stamp a ticket for Kona if Kona was to be an option and you came away second on the day. Obviously, before the race, we thought about Kona it was always but I always put, I put it to the back of my mind it wasn't that race wasn't about Kona it was about respecting an Ironman and respecting the distance and the heat because it was 44 degrees so it's was, it was pretty warm that day which I don't think is dissimilar to Kona so it gives a little bit of confidence moving forward um 
I I don't know I think I was just I was really happy all the way through it leading up into the race um plan was written down and I guess because I'd been injured or I had niggles in the first two races which meant I couldn't finish them so to come to this race I just wanted to finish it and I know it sounds not very pro or it sounds maybe more like an age group but literally that was all that was going through my mind I just want to finish a race and be happy so I went for every age station I took on as much nutrition as I could I was singing on the bike just to keep myself entertained, ticking off the hours. It was quite lucky that the course was laps, so mentally that was quite nice. So two laps swim, two laps on the bike, and then a three-lap run uh, to split it up to make it slightly easier, <laughs> easier than Ironman can be. Uh, but yeah, the bike seemed to go quite quick. Uh, it was quite lonely out there, but on the second lap you had people and... I was just keeping myself entertained, counting down or singing, like I said before. And the run was pretty tough, <laughs> which I think you can expect that for any Ironman run. And because I had that injury or setback before, I hadn't actually done that much running leading into the race. I'd only done, my longest run was probably an hour and 45. Um, and maybe I did two 90 minute runs three 90 minute runs so that was the biggest unknown for me so I was I got to that halfway point or even before the halfway point and I was like well this is my longest run in about uh six or seven weeks <laughs> were you nervous about um what might happen in that second half of the run that you might break yeah. down or that you might dnf or that you just wouldn't have it in the legs to carry forward I don't think dnf was ever an option because if I was moving I was going to finish but yeah, I, I didn't know what I was entering into when I s got into that second part of the run. And that third lap was my quads just got heavy and heavy and I tried to eat. I was like, Bill said, if you get to that point, that's when you can have Coke. So I was like, give me all the Coke, please. <laughs> I think I saw, <laughs> yeah, I think I saw a post on the day that you had up on Instagram of him shouting at you saying, just get food at every aid station, take on fluids and ice in your pants or ice in your top just to keep you cool, like the strategies yeah. for, the, for the serious hot weather. Um, you know, and, and from, a, from, I suppose, a, a supporter's side of things, you know, how important is it that, that Bill is there with you at the races as well? I know he's your partner, but he's also your coach, um, you know, that he's there as part of your, your support bubble. Oh, it was, it's invaluable, um, but I don't, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes or any supporter's shoes because honestly, I think, well, you guys, well, you know, on the finish shoot, you're there for a very long time and you're in that heat for just as long. And I think Bill was in a worse place than I was the day after Cardellane. Honestly, the stress that he went through because he he gets more nervous than me. And honestly, he doesn't know what's happening when I'm like, 50 miles away on the bike because you can't always see it and you don't know what I'm thinking so yeah honestly he was in a big hole after the race <laughs> but it is it's, I wouldn't well I'm glad he was there I'm, yeah. and, and for any spec for anyone to shout your name or just to, even if they don't shout your name to be like keep going just the support on the course just always makes it and I think it's different from a 70.3 it was 
yeah it's different type of um encouragement or like i don't know what the word would be like sympathy but not sympathy I don't think that's the right word but empathy yeah. maybe Is yeah empathy yeah the word yeah <laughs> like why the hell are you doing this well done I think <laughs> you're the, crazy I, yeah I think but I think it's people are just in awe of people who do an Ironman I well, mean even just to sign up for one I think is to have the balls to put your name forward to say I'm going to commit to this race um I'm going to get myself to the start line is a huge achievement there's so many people that wouldn't even attempt it and and it is like I know it's hard for the us or the professionals, but it's even harder for the people who are going slightly slower because they're out there for even longer than we are. And honestly, my hat goes off to to anyone who, who does it or even attempts it. Can I ask when did your mind or was your mind always in it during the race of geez I'm in the gold medal position or the silver medal position or I'm first I'm second you know when when did you kind of let your brain celebrate that you were going to be on the podium um I knew the girls behind me were very experienced and very classy so and the run obviously like I said I hadn't gone into it probably with the the best preparation but well I don't know maybe it was I've only done one um so I think it all, I knew it was always going to come down to the foot race and they would probably catch me at one point. I did. I thought they'd catch me sooner, so I'm quite happy about that in a way. Um, but I just knew if I kept moving forward that I'd I'd hold on to the podium. So, But, you, like, anything can happen. You saw Lionel's, pardon me, Lionel Sanders in that race just go down to a walk and it's it can happen to anyone. So you, you can't start thinking of that podium or that that position until you're literally on the red carpet and then you're like oh, I can embrace this now <laughs> and it was funny actually because I watched you coming down the the red carpet and you were kind of you were savoring the moment and we yeah. were all watching the clock it's 8 59 oh, and it was like if she if I was on the finish line I'd have been roaring at you Come on, it's gonna be sub nine. <laughs> but it was you know you, it was your first Ironman it was a sub nine anyway um but it was almost like only just <laughs> imagine like, if I stopped to give someone a hug or something I know I mean you know you wouldn't be able to say you were sub nine but like 11 seconds off was just it was it was class though it was <laughs> I you... didn't realize how close it was Bill was telling me he's like just keep running this and you'll go sub nine but I was like I can't go any faster so I don't know why you're telling me and then it was so lucky that it was only just under but it's just as well you didn't stop at any of the aid stations. Oh, I know. I didn't actually stop at all. I was like, I've just got to keep moving. Was it hard to keep going? Yeah, there's like, it's undulating course and some of the, there's a bit more of a drag on, on the last lap. I was like, this is hardly, I'm hardly running here. So I did feel like walking then or just like power walking. But yeah, I just, no, I, I just kept going. <laughs> and, and then the big question is, um, how did you celebrate? um what did we do the, the day after so the evening we went back and we watched the um heroes hour which was really cool um we went out for dinner or lunch kind of thing after the race uh bill absolutely crashed so we didn't do much that evening <laughs> to be fair he probably had a, he probably had a longer day than you and probably didn't consume as much sugar as you did yeah <laughs> so I was, I was like twiddling my thumbs and just watching him sleep next to me uh, but it was the day after on the 
Monday we went out on a boat with um a few of the other pros which was so much fun and yeah just had a few drinks uh just yeah went wake surfing and on the, on the lake at Coeur d'Alene, it was it was stunning it was probably one of the best days I've had in a while it, nearly as good as the race <laughs> <laughs> so you've stamped the ticket for Kona it's now August presumably you're not going to race again between now and the dance on the big island uh yeah I will be I'll it would either be the Collins Cup quite unlikely to get I'm not in the automatic it would either be a captain's pick or um what's the word uh a reserve but I am quite I'm like a third so it's quite unlikely but you never know but if not I'll definitely be racing the championships the day after it's the 28th of August isn't it 28th yeah, so 29th of August yeah, yeah that's correct yeah, yeah. so um, race then and then a camp and then race in Kona will you go to the states in advance to acclimatize get ready yeah. for it and have you raced Kona as an age grouper obviously not because it was your first full distance that was a stupid question Joanne I'm just going to delete that <laughs> no don't <laughs> uh, to I've never been to the island no <laughs> will you go to Kona early to acclimatize get used to the swim bike and run out there the heat the humidity um apparently Kona is not that great to go to too far before the race but I think we're gonna head to Maui for three to four weeks and then fly over a week before so we'll be well acclimatized hopefully to the wheat that's the wheat the heat the the wind uh and we've done quite a lot of sea swimming and and stuff like that so that's the plan at the moment um have you expectations for Kona or is it a case of going out and just seeing how good you can be on the big island um I'm a competitive person I guess so I always want to go there and compete but I have to be realistic it's my only my second Ironman it'll be my first time at Kona and in a world championships um I'll be happy with a a top 10 but you just don't know like I just want to get there healthy happy and fit like I've come like I missed out on other world championships before because I've ended up with niggles or injuries or stuff like that so I just want to go there and be in a good place and then I think when you're in that place the rest kind of hopefully will slot in and it will just be a so much more enjoyable experience. So how are you going to protect your mind and your body to get to the start line in the best possible position? Is there anything that you'll do between now and race day to just make sure that your focus is on the right things, that you're not stressing over little things, that that you're not getting those injuries that might likely see you not get enough training done for the event. A bit like Coeur d'Alene, where the longest run you had was one hour 40. <laughs> I think keeping things simple um, will be definitely be my philosophy going into it. Because I think Coeur d'Alene sh- showed that you don't need to overcomplicate it. It's just training at the end of the day. And I, I still ran a, a 3.13, which isn't shab. It isn't, obviously it's not an Haug pace or anything, but it's not too bad. And if I can do that after very little running, um, if I do just, just as, well, not just as much, but like if I have a little bit more focus and just stay smart, I don't have to go crazy with the mileage. Um, but you you can get to an Ironman and 
in better shape. I think so many people from speaking to other professionals go into I men especially like I sorry I swear they're either they're overcooked. It's probably better to go into an Ironman undercooked and then cook yourself in the race. So <laughs> literally in his, literally in his. <laughs> especially in Kona and with all the races that are going on I think we're going to see a lot of people who end up doing that and I don't know hopefully I'm not one of them and I'd rather go in a little bit underprepared than overprepared. So yeah just keeping it simple session by session not overcomplicating it um just training with others making sure it's enjoyable if things don't quite go right in a session that's right just it is what it is it's not the end of the world and then you go week by week and hopefully I'll get to the island and it'll be all tickety-boo but (laughs) tickety-boo so who's in your training bubble who do you turn to for for training support when you're cooking up those performances uh it's been different people in the past um hopefully we'll be heading up to Maui with uh Ruth Athel so that'll be quite good so I've never trained with her before but I know she's super strong and super solid and I know there'll be other people out in Maui as well if that's definitely where we decide to go but if not Bill's quite good to chase uh I'm quite self-motivated so I don't mind turning up on my own and hammering out a session yeah and it's just calling people and keeping that cool head and but I'm happy to go along with anyone I'm not really if people want to train that's fine I can go train with them or but yeah <laughs> what did you do after Courtney to have a bit of a break did you take a break did you chill yeah. out did you try something different yeah uh, I did chill out um, I didn't do anything structured for two weeks just because I think the demand of an Ironman is a lot greater than some people think. And it's not necessarily, it's more the demand on your heart and lungs lungs that you don't really see. Uh, and I think so many people come back and there's still that residual fatigue and that could take a while to shake off. So I just made sure that I didn't stress them for two weeks. I did some like mountain biking and a bit of swimming, but nothing that got my heart rate up it was more just uh because I was in a night at that point I was I went back to Bend Oregon and we were with with Heather and, and Wattie and we were just enjoying being there so we were riding our bikes for fun and we rode to the pub we yeah rode into town or just were swimming in the lakes and stuff like that um so yeah two weeks just chilled eat whatever you want drink whatever you want stay up late or sleep in or whatever so two weeks like that and then after that just slowly add a little bit more structure back in a little bit more intensity that's probably only I've probably been only back into like a, I would say a, a proper training program for three weeks now so you mentioned a few minutes ago about being self-motivated when you go to train when you see sessions coming up across swim bike or run number one which is your favorite discipline uh it's different probably depending on the session (laughs) well then my next question was going to be um what's your favorite session so if you had a choice of swim bike and run on any day what would you pick um actually I just like long easy stuff (laughs) (laughs) so I'd love to I like to just get in the lake and just if you're with a good group of people just swimming 
and like playing like if if we're in a late just or maybe even like a skill session so you're like doing practicing around a boy or doing some sprints and stuff like that um or if you're in the ocean just like playing in the waves practicing your ins and outs and body surfing and stuff like that biking just like yeah really like a steady coffee long three four hour ride on a nice summer's day you can't beat it and running again yeah a long run that's probably one of my favorite uh, coming back to the playing in the water what's your handstand game like out of 10 oh. in the water uh what would you give yourself for an underwater handstand uh 10 i'm pretty good on land as well so oh, i'm sure can't... you have your gymnastics <laughs> background i forgot yeah. oh my background yeah my my many medals <laughs> i don't have any but actually i want to talk to you about gymnastics when you look at the the shape and the performance that your body needs to be in to perform at the highest level a lot of the skills and things that you would have learned as a young gymnast probably stand to you now and the importance of strength and conditioning and all of that do you still do a lot of the stuff that you used to do in gymnastics from a core and a strength workout side of things or has it completely changed uh no I definitely do I probably didn't get it from gymnastics we got it from well I used to work quite a lot in SNC and university um I used to like shadow the head SNC groups and all the uh high performance athletes and every every weekday morning I'd be in the gym at six o'clock and I'd be helping with the yeah the there's big guys lifting big weights and I'd be there like trying to pick up this thing and then pass it to them but yeah I from from that point on and and then I went and got my personal training qualification and that was always a big I'm a big advocate for SNC so it's probably where I got it from more than gymnastics but I can definitely see the crossover and strength element that you need for a gymnastic and how that could help you as an adult and as an or as an adolescent and it's just that flexibility and that range of movement and having strength in those planes as well will definitely help any sport that you move into in later life. When you decided to go pro if you hadn't decided at that time to become a professional athlete, would you have gone down the personal training route? Is that what the plan was or had you other plans in the background? Uh, no, I don't really have. I'm not very academic, so <laughs> I don't really have uh, many plans. And when I was at university, I saw it was the first time I was really, my eyes were open to professional sport. And I saw that as an actual career option. And from then, I probably didn't look back. So I probably didn't really have a plan A or a plan B. I just knew that I was I enjoyed it. I was pretty good at it. Let's see if I can make a living from it. Um, I don't know, maybe I would have gone into teaching. I thought about going into the army. I thought about being policewoman. Um, yeah, I never really had a career definitely personal training was great and I, and I do love coaching and it's something I, I will want to do once I've finished with professional sport at what kind of like level I want to coach I'm not sure I don't know if I'd want to go only coach elite or if I'd want to work on even the younger side and more of a development kind of role in terms of the young guys because I think there's definitely there's something missing in that interathlon but yeah I don't know <laughs> I don't know what I was going to do. <laughs> and then looking at your own 
future opportunities in sport. You've done very, very well at 70.3. You've clearly done very well in your singular Ironman, but your form across 70.3 has actually been really good over the past few years as well. For 2021 and beyond, do you think will you stick with 70.3 or will you try and see how things go at, at the longer distance racing or, or which is your preferred race distance? Um, I think it depends on a number of things. I do, 70.3 racing is so much fun, um, but the way it's moving, it is moving towards more Olympic style racing, which I'll still be able to do and do it at a high level because I've got, a, well, like you said, I, I can perform I'm quite consistently good performer. It also might be swayed slightly towards money in races and especially with the PTO coming in, it might change how we rate, end up racing. Um, I, I think there'll always be a big kudos and a big draw to Kona um, and that world championship race. And I don't think that will ever lose that, but maybe it might be more beneficial to race five or six 70.3 races and make a living better that way rather than all eggs in one basket for Kona um and the way the triathlon's developing I don't know where that's going to go in the next few years uh so I can't really say definite but I really did enjoy racing the Ironman distance but the 70.3 distance has definitely changed in terms of dynamics and how you need to approach the race so I think you can't you can't as easily be good at both. Yeah. And there's only a few athletes that ever have. And I think Daniela and Fredena are the probably the only two that have won both world championships in one year. So yeah, we'll have to see. <laughs> Is there a lot of um stress and pressure coming with being a professional athlete from the financial side of things? Yeah, definitely. Uh and especially an up-and-coming new triathlete to try and get the backing and support and it's more mentally as well I think for sure just to know that you can do things without worrying about them so like camps and it's not just getting to camps it's it's the accommodation it's the food when you're there it's transport it's then you've got to think about pools and facilities and massage and all those little things that you need to still have to make it worth doing to go like no point going into something half-heartedly you kind of need to fully commit to it so it's having the resources to to do those types of things as well. Did Covid stop you from going abroad to camps this year because normally you're in Lanzarote aren't you? So we were lucky that after um, Miami we stayed in America so we were there for uh, three four months so that was would have been our like say our trips to Europe or we'd yeah like I said we'd be in Lanzarote and then we'd probably go to Mallorca and then we would have maybe a, a race on yeah in in America or something like that but yeah it did it hindered it more the year before but oh 2019 so yeah, yeah yeah oh 2020 yeah sorry yeah 20, as opposed yeah. to this year I know I keep yeah. forgetting I know I always forget it even happened 2020. <laughs> I didn't know what day of the week it was last week because we had a bank holiday here and I thought Thursday was Wednesday like oh. all day it was just crazy I just <laughs> losing losing total track of time and the weeks are flying by looking beyond COVID I guess really is is the way to put it looking beyond COVID and the opportunities for racing in the future where would you like to race and what other races would you like to win oh uh I would like to race 
uh, in Australia or New Zealand just because I've never been there. Um, so maybe it would be pretty cool to go race the World Championships, the 70.3 World Championships next year. Uh, well, Kona probably would be one, but hopefully I'm going to be ticking that one off. <laughs> uh, I still want to do quite a lot of European races um, in the Alps or go and do Roth or yeah or even some of like Malaysia or some of those islands races yeah just pack your bike pack your yeah. bike and travel the world <laughs> yeah definitely you need to get like an airline to sponsor you oh I, that would wouldn't be that ideal. be kind of cool <laughs> yeah well when we were in um, America we had we spent we traveled to race in an RV and I would love an RV if we spent another block in the US I think that would be the way to do it you could just go to different places it's so easy you could be like in the mountains one minute at altitude and then on some like beach the next then you can be on like the desert oh it's, it's, it would be really cool we need to get a company in in the states to sponsor you for your next yeah. trip out yeah you could do six months on the islands of Hawaii yeah definitely could you imagine <laughs> Please Christmas on the this. beach <laughs> yeah <laughs> somebody I'm definitely working <laughs> yeah you're training a professional yeah. athlete you're working every day you're working well I live with my mum but we my mum owns a pub so there's a pub downstairs and so ever we go down and they've hit here we've been away in like America or France or whatever they're like just think it's some holiday but we're like if you want to spend one day with me on my holiday I'm not sure you could keep up but <laughs> And tell me, do you sell much Guinness in that pub now? We don't serve sell Guinness anymore. Just no Guinness. Well, they did have a a local um, substitute called Corvus, which is oh. the local brewery makes the stout. Um, but no, we don't serve Guinness anymore. We have it in cans, but I don't think that's the same. Oh no, definitely not Guinness from a no. can. Um, maybe I'll ask you: Do you sell much um, Tullamore Dew whiskey or Jemison uh, whiskey? Oh, we do have Jameson, yeah. The yeah. old guy is like a, a Jameson <laughs> at the end you of the night. You can't eat a nice Jameson. <laughs> it's medicinal, absolutely yeah. medicinal. Okay, maybe I'll try it. I've never oh, definitely, but it. not the night before a race now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because one nice ends and... up two and two ends up three and then... And then you go on to try and race yeah. and, hey, you might sleep in and not make the alarm <laughs> for, for your race. We are coming towards the end of the conversation, but before we do, there's two things I want to ask you about. The first one is you have a lovely quote on your website. It's a consistency creates the waves of success. Where did that come from? Um, I think we wanted... Well, I don't know. I think once I was talking about it with... Um, my friend Jane who helped me build the website and we wanted something to go in there and we were just bouncing words off each other and it just came out so I'm not sure it, I think we just like waves the way it flows and I'm a Pisces and I love water and it just seemed quite appropriate it's very good <laughs> I do like it you should have that splashed everywhere um, and then of course on your Instagram profile it is food naps and crafts Yes. <laughs> uh, talk to me about the naps and crafts. Well, I can nap at a drop of a hat. So <laughs> just send me to a dark room and I'll, I'll be asleep. <laughs> um, it's a secret skill, Bill says. Or my, To be fair, most of my family has it. My dad and my brothers. In the afternoons, if we're all together, we're probably just all be napping like on the sofas or something. <laughs> um, and yeah, crafts. I just... 
I think I just like doing stuff with my hand, even if it's just like baking or I'd much rather be making something in the kitchen or like sewing or like cards or something than sit down in front of a computer researching or something like that. You weren't inspired to take up knitting watching Tom Daly in the Olympics? Uh, I did look at it, but maybe not quite yet. (laughs) Or maybe not to the extent that he does it. Yeah. Because every time I saw him, he was knitting. He uh, that cardigan was quite impressive, I've got to say. <laughs> and his um, medal holder, he, he created a little medal holder, which was quite cool as well. I know you're very proud of of all that you've achieved, and and obviously your sub nine, your debut Ironman and Challenge Daytona, you're very proud of it as well. But of all of your life achievements, what are you most proud of, inside or outside of sport? Um, oh, that's quite hard. I think my just. Uh, ability to bounce back and keep going um I'm not sure where it came from or why I have it or maybe just the like outlook on life is I'm just quite relaxed I don't know maybe that's quite a a good thing to be but I don't know if you can be proud of that or if it's that's my parents should be proud of that <laughs> just sometimes installing it in me but yeah like maybe that and speaking of your parents, and obviously we've chatted about Bill as well, who or what have been the biggest influences in your life to date? Uh, probably them growing up in there or making nothing seem that challenging. Maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing, but it was just, okay, yeah, we'll go do that. Or you can go do, go play in the street or go chase after your brothers or go swim in the sea, uh, whatever um that kind of freedom as a as, as a car child um pretty changed me my my school teacher uh Fran Arnold was pretty influential just I think installing that passion for sport um we used to on training for like gym competitions we used to I say well should allow us to skip lessons so that we could go practice um which probably wasn't the best looking about it but I loved it so <laughs> um that and then I went to Nepal in my first year at uni um and that's where I think my whole I don't know what after I came back I, I don't think I wouldn't say I changed completely but I think my drive and my direction changed after that trip I don't know why it just it just did <laughs> Well, it's absolutely fantastic to have you on the show and the very best of luck to you in Kona and beyond. I can't wait to see how it all Yeah, hopefully we'll see you on the island. Well, you'd never know. We'll see what happens. But thank you so much again for joining me on the show and the very best of luck. And I hope Bill gets you another monkey just because you're awesome. Yeah, I need one. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget you can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. I'd love to connect on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Pop by and say hi and let me know what you think of the show. If you are new to Try Talking Sport, please do check out some of our previous episodes. You will be both impressed and inspired by our amazing guests. Until next time, stay safe, keep smiling and remember to look for fun and adventure in every day.